0: Blog Talk Radio. Quarters, security condition three. GQ
1: security three, sir. General
0: quarters three, intruder alert. GQ three,
1: intruder alert. Good evening and welcome once again to Madame Perry's Salon, the podcast,
0: with more
1: followers and more celebrities and the inauguration. I am your host and cruise director, Madam Perry. You can call me Jennifer Perry, Ben, JP. I'm just glad you're here. And I'm also glad that you've been listening, subscribing. You've been subscribing on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast FM, Last FM, uh, Blog Talk Radio, and sharing with your friends. And I thank you so very much because... uh, the more time, more people subscribe and download, it just keeps me going to bring you more fantastic guests, like I've had, like I've got coming up, and like I've got tonight. Oh, just to give you a um, little heads to come, uh, you know, very soon. Uh, we're still fiddling on the dates, but Bootsy uh, Collins from uh, Parliament Funkadelic will be here soon, as. Um, as well as Carrie Viazara, uh, author in Boston, Massachusetts, with new book Caitlin's Moorings, and just, um, oh, Kenneth Kane, Kenneth Kane, a sci-fi and horror writer, has uh, new stuff coming out. And we're going to have a show of, about Kenneth's new books, as well as there are three uh, women introduced to my audience and have a special show just for them. Uh, in September. So will have Kenneth later this month and then uh other show in, in uh, September, and we'll be we'll giving you all the information on that. And so excited. By the way, saying hello to my longtime listeners that I love, uh, Crystal and Benny and Ray Daffrico, thanks for doing your great work in Georgia, uh, especially since you've, uh, I know you've been doing a lot of work for Stacey Abrams who may be our next governor in Georgia. Uh, also, um, Dana and Mimi. Uh, John, everybody out there, jo- uh, John Strangeway, thank you so very much for listening. Uh, by the way, uh, this is, uh, I don't have a sponsor, of mine, but I will tell you this. Some of you know that I am an entertainment publicist, and I'm going to be in Amsterdam, Uh, for about a week and a half in the middle of September. If you would like for me to personally deliver uh, your CDs or your books, any bookstores in Amsterdam during that time, just contact me through Lone Wolf Communications or just me, Jennifer Maudette Perry or Madam Perry Salon, on Facebook or Twitter or uh, Lone Wolf Communications on the Internet. And I will be happy to set up... um, way to get your books out there because they've got a big demand for English language. Nation Speaks English. I was there last year and visited several bookstores as well as travelers. So got that going on. Now tonight I am so excited. This woman has been here. My guest tonight has been here as part of an anthology uh, with twice. But tonight she is my special guest. I'm so excited. She is a Teacher of science fiction at the City University of New York. She's written more books than I can remember to count. And I could go on, but right now, because she is an award winner, but right now, I just want to go ahead and bring her in so we can start. She is the magnificent. I call her the feminist science fiction um, superheroine. Uh, she's a scholar and writer, Marlene Barr. Marlene, welcome once again to Madame Perry's Salon.
2: Thank you so much for having me, and I'm really happy to be a feminist science fiction heroine with you.
0: <laughs>
2: Thank you. I I am just just just
1: thrilled, and um, oh, the, your new book is called. Let me get the whole name correct. When Trump changed the feminist science fiction Justice League, quash.
2: The orange. I'll, I'll orange do it in government. my oh, Trump Queen. I'll do it in my Trump Queen's accent because I'm from Forest Hills, Queens, which is about a stone's throw of where Trump grew up in Jamaica, States. And what comes out of my mouth is not what he says, but I speak with the same accent that he does, like China and Russia. And that's where the comparison <laughs> ends. But <laughs> but the title is When Trump Changed the Feminist Science. Justice League quashes the orange outrage pussy grabber. And it's published by BQ Press. And in the comments on Amazon, the person who just won the Science Fiction Research Association Pilgrim Award for Lifetime Achievement in Science Fiction Criticism, he said that he only read some of the books, so he can't comment on upon it fully. But he said he is sure that no Trump Book title that has been written or ever will be written will have a better title than this one.
1: Oh, all right, magnificent! You know, and I haven't seen all the titles either, but I cannot imagine anything uh, doing your title. Um,
2: so where I don't I don't know where to begin. Where did you come up with the title? Well, I came up with the title. There's a famous. Feminist science fiction writer Joanna Russ, and I loved her immensely. She's no longer with us, but one of the best science fiction stories is called When It Changed, and it's about a feminist planet called while away and all the people on it are women and when men come that is when it changed and i first called the book the feminist science fiction justice League quashes the orange outrage pussy grabber and that was the main title and the publisher said that i cannot have that as a main title and i have to have a more subdued main title and I couldn't have that. So I was thinking and thinking, and I said, what am I going to come up with with a title? And I was thinking of when it changed and how much I love that story. And I said, when Trump changed, and that became the title. And when Trump changed, remember when he first came upon us, everybody would say, Everyone was saying that he's going to change That he'll become presidential Well he never changed he just got worse So I thought the title When Trump Changed it alludes to Joanna Russ's feminist science fiction story And it's provocative Because he's never going to change And we all know that now Nobody talks about him changing anymore
1: No No they don't and that is why I just just, You know I I don't want to know I don't want to hear people say I thought, I was sure, Um, no, why were you, what did you think that, why are you sure, because we just saw, I just saw a little while ago that um, there is um, a consumer electronics business in South Carolina that's about to shut down, not for sure how long, could be three months, six months or longer, uh, because of the the, uh, tariffs on China. And uh, oh, this is news that just came out today.
2: And he's hurting the people who elected him. The farmers are going to yeah. get hurt. And every yeah. day it gets worse and worse. And it defies credulity. And I think science fiction is the only genre that can handle him. And there's not a lot. There's, I thought that people would start writing Trump fiction. There's. There's only like one Trump novel. And my book is the... Is the only single-authored Trump short story anthology? Because I guess you have to be very mad to write 32 separate scenario stories. And BQ Press, my publisher, they're the nexus of 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 Trump of anti-Trump fiction. And with my scholar hat, I coined the term Trump Punk to describe this science fiction about Trump. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that, that is brilliant. Uh, so I wrote a scholarly. And, on one, like, I have two hats. I'm a scholar, um, and I guess I'm a fiction writer. And scholars are not humorous. But I, 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 one evening I'm writing a Trump punk scholarly article, which is in a scholarly online journal called Deletion, and I'm going, what is this? Because scholars characterize things, and I said, okay, Trump Punk, and then the next day, I get up and I write Trump Punk, and I guess like a medical doctor can diagnose themselves, so as a scholar doctor, I can diagnose what I'm writing. It's Trump Punk.
1: <laughs> Trump Punk. Um, yeah, that's how, how perfect, how, yeah, it works. And another thing I was watching a video of yours, uh, where you were talking about, you're talking about, I guess, linguistics was the gist of it, and about how the uh, speech of, um, as you were saying, you know, you said you can talk in the same uh, accent or talk or speech pattern that Trumps is because you've grown up so, uh, where you live is so close to where you grew up, but you said your, his was not the, and, and please correct me and forgive me if I get this wrong that even though it's the same type, it's not the masculine, it's the feminine, that he speaks more like the Real Housewives of New York.
2: Yes, I wrote that probably in 2016 because I love the Real Housewives of New York, and I've seen some of them around New York. I've I've talked to Ramona, and I've talked to the Countess, and they have drama, and they're fighting with each other. And when Trump fights with, like, Rosie O'Donnell and celebrities, he's acting... In a feminized way, like the, like the real reality show, The Real Housewives of New York. He's not acting like a male leader, and the per, the person who invented the Real Housewives of uh, New York, Andy Cohen, he subsequently said that he thinks that Trump sounds like the Real Housewives of New York. But I said it before he did,
1: <laughs> and so and then when you when you made us, oh my gosh. Yeah. And do you think if there's, does there seem to be just a wee bit more than just a speech, but that, or is it because, and, and I don't want to denigrate my own sex, but it seems that he's got that kind of a, 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 I don't know, a spoiled behavior about him.
2: Yes. Like no professional person acts the way he does. Like I, one of the courses I teach, I teach freshman English and of course I care about words. And when he first used the word pussy, I nearly lost it. And I went into class and I and I talked about it and I said I said pussy in freshman English. And I teach all kinds of New York kids and, and these are sophisticated kids. And when I said pussy they nearly they nearly croaked. They said, our teacher is saying pussy. They couldn't get over it. And the president of the United <laughs> States, you know, they couldn't stand that their freshman English um, teacher is saying pussy because it, it seemed unbelievable. But the president of the United States says that he grabs pussy? Wh- who talks this way? When it, like we're used to it now, but, when he, but I was appalled at that word. And that's why it got in my title. Who would use this word and who who uses that? Excuse me, I'm screaming, but I just can't oh, get no, over no, it no, please i you know
1: this honey, you've been here before this is where you this this is a safe place to you say whatever you want here in Madame perry's salon um, okay, yeah, and even even if even if, giving a, giving a little leeway here, it was supposed to have been a private conversation, which it can't be a private conversation if you know you've already been on the air. Even so, in private, I mean, even in private, there are some things that you just don't think. Like my closest girlfriends and I, we might just between ourselves say all kind of crazy stuff, but even we, you know, you have a limit
2: uh, I would say that things I that we find appropriate. Used... I I would say that I have never used the word before this happened, the word pussy. It has never come out of my mouth. Not to my friends, not to anyone. This has never come out of my mouth. And that's why on the cover of the book there's a famous picture where he's in white tennis shorts and he has his big rear end sticking out and he's grabbing a tennis racket and on the cover I just have him grabbing a a cartoon cat and I can't draw but I designed the cover and I said have him grabbing a pussy that's a a funny cat a screaming pink cat I thought that was funny
0: That was
1: brilliant. <laughs> <It's home. laughs> and I didn't know that you created that. That's that's brilliant to do that. I did not and, you um, know, um, even, I
2: didn't draw it. It was done by Maria Chavez. But I, I suggested what the image should look like.
1: Well, and, and Maria Chavez obviously, obviously interpreted your your suggestion
2: to the letter perfectly. Oh yeah. In fact since in, I didn't since I didn't draw it I could say
0: I think
1: the cover is great. It's <laughs>
2: great. Um,
1: yeah, even with the um, um what the 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 hats, the knitted hats, the pussy hats, it's like, okay, can we just can we just call this you know, I don't wanna make this I want I don't wanna make this part of a new normal. Anybody to go ahead and, and just use the word over and over.
2: Well I guess it is the um i guess it is the the new normal and and now I could say it on the radio I could say it in my class because now it's a normal word to use but it what, it's, a, it's a word of it's a word of revolution i guess words like the word queer gay people took it and empowered it or chick women empowered that or there's there's the, the worst thing that you could call a Jewish person is a heeb, but there's a cool magazine that young Jews are publishing, and it's called Heeb Magazine. So you take the word and you yes. use, it, you, um, use it to describe yourself, yourself, and then the word loses its negative power. And I think that he, pussy has become empowering with the with the pussy hat. The pussy hat is empowering. It's like you're going to call us pussies? Okay, we're going to wear it on our heads, but we're going to make it in our own way now.
1: Oh, okay. Now, here's what I'm saying. And by the way, let me stop here and say that if you are listening to us live, and I see a lot of people on uh, Facebook saying that they are listening, if you're listening live and you want to call in and join a conversation anywhere or talk with Marlene Barr, Please do. 646-716-9922 646-716-9922 646-716-9922 646-716-9922 Blog Talk Radio assures me that this is a toll free call in the continental U.S. So please, please join us. You know, when you say that, it makes me think about um, um, And by the way, yeah, and I've seen uh, I've seen heap Magazine years ago And the subtitle is The New Jew Review And um, yeah, it's it's the coolest Jewish people thing. want to say that is perfectly their right. Pardon?
2: Right. And and this is done by yeah. young people and they took the word and and used it to their own their own good and they they put it on their magazine.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just sort of like when um uh, when people talk about, you know, my my uh, my best girlfriend, who everybody, anybody who's been following the show or follow me or knows me, uh, knows the two of us. We're we're like getting open. But my best friend is, is uh, African American, and um, you know when people talk about certain words that African Americans may use to describe, you know, among themselves, that other people use as a slur. Now I've, I know she has stopped, you know, kids from saying that out in public, African American kids. But when somebody wants to ask me, well, if they can say well, it, why can't? White people, well, it's sort of like I'm a Southerner. I will make fun of us all the day long and how slow I talk and everything, but I don't want anybody else to, you know, no, outside that's the of word here. That that. Cannot
2: be, that word does not fit the category that I'm talking about. That's a word that cannot be said.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I, right. Even amongst. But when you talk about, though, about using, I thought about um, a review I saw once on one of Madonna's videos. Uh, where she's uh, playing like a that's inside these little cages and said, oh, well, she's taking the image and throwing it back at people. You know, Is some people are doing by make having pussy hats and this and that and the other, just sort of taking like, you want to say this? You want to use this word? Fine, we'll make it prevalent. We'll put it out there for everyone.
2: But – well, there's still things that can't be done though because in my stories, I did every, I did everything that I could to him. Like I sent him to the Phantom Zone and I locked him in there. I sent him to other planets. I sent him up the beanstalk. I turned him into Godzilla. Uh, anything that was ever done in genre fiction, I tried to do to him, but I made sure that he was always intact. Like I didn't explode him. Cuz I you can't do that. He's still a president. Like, I didn't hurt him in my stories.
1: Well, you know what? Let's, let's, let's go on about that, Dennis. Let's, let's talk about, um, you're talking about what you've done to him. Let's talk about the premise of the book, uh, When Trump Changed, uh, the Feminist Science Fiction Justice League quashes the, out, the orange outrage pussy grabber. Let's talk about what happens in the book. What's the premise and, 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 and how you do those things?
2: Well, it's a, It's a book of self-contained short stories because I just started writing individual stories and I kept writing them and writing them and I got them together and I said, well, this this is enough stories for a book. And what I did was I took every outlandish scenario that i could and did it to trump like there's a book called excuse me there's a story called trump G- dreams of genie and i i put him in a lamp and i make him come out or um, or um i have a story trump comes comes out to comey and I turned it into the famous Carol Burnett scenario of Gone with the Wind, where Carol Carol Burnett imitates Scarlett O'Hara, and she puts the green curtains on with with the golden curtain rod. And I had Comey in in the green room of the White House, and he's he's scared of Trump, and he he takes the curtains, and he he makes a disguise for himself. And I feminized Comey, because there was an article in the New York Times where Trump did treat him like a woman, and, and it was a it was a it was a power dynamic scenario. Or, in um, I have a story: Zaza Trump makes America great again because of his Eastern European wives. But in my story, Zaza Trump is black, and she's an alien. And I love the name. I love the name Zaza Trump. And I have another story. Um, springtime for Trump, because as a Jewish New Yorker, I feel that I'm writing in the tradition of Mel Brooks, where (laughs) Mel Brooks did the producers because he liberated a concentration camp and he thought that the worst thing that he could do to Hitler is to make people laugh at him. Well, I'm not as talented as Mel Mel Brooks by any means, and Trump is not Hitler, but I was very consciously using parody as a weapon to wield against Trump in the manner of Mel Brooks because I'm trying to make people laugh at him and if you make if you laugh at a leader that really brings the leader down and I have a, a story called The Worst President Ever where worst is spelled W U R S T and I guess that comes <laughs> from my 2 years as a Fulbrighter in Germany and I <laughs> and it, it came out WURST or Trump's Poseidon Adventure, where I recast Ivanka as a mermaid and she tries to convince her father, Poseidon, that because of climate change, Mar a Lago is going to sink and Trump should do something, but that doesn't happen. So, or I have a story, Survivor Puerto Rico, and I imagine that Trump is invisible. And he's um, scrounging for food in Puerto Rico, and no one could see him. And he's just he's just suffering, and there's no help for him. And because of his experience, he comes back to New York, and he lives in Spanish Harlem um, among hispanic people because he feels at home there now.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I think I think
1: Mel Brooks would be very very happy. <laughs> To have a copy of of this book, I'm I'm just delighted. You know, uh, I've had a there was a comment up here from a friend of ours, Becky Kyle, saying, you know, she's a riot, and uh, your imagination just knows no bounds. Just to stop for just a moment, and, and remember, if you want to call in number 646-716-9922, I believe Marlene Barr would love to talk with you. Uh, where where does um and I read somewhere that you had a, a, a professor of yours um made a suggestion about using um, science fiction um as a way of expressing feminist philosophies and
2: ideas. Well, f- feminist science fiction is a subgenre of science fiction, and when I was a young scholar, I was the first scholar. One of the first scholars to really do feminist science fiction as a field, and I got a lot of backlash way back then. I don't want to say how way back then, but it was way back then, because people thought that it was crap. People thought that science fiction was crap. People thought that feminist science fiction was, was worse than crap. And when I was a graduate student, Ursula Le Guin was not famous then, and I read her, and I went to my Hatsi Tatsi famous male professors, and I said, this woman is great. And I knew it. And I am responsible for the first article that was ever published on Octavia Butler. And my colleague, Mm. Ruth Salvaggio, um, wrote the article. And I said, I need someone to write on feminist science fiction. And she said, I'm a Dryden scholar. I don't know about feminist science fiction. I said, well, you're my friend. Write it anyway. And she said, all right. And I (laughs) said, here, write about Octavia Butler. And no no one knew from Octavia Butler. And Ruth wrote it, and Oct- Octavia Butler is now um, venerated. And in t- approximately oh, in the early 2000s, I did the first anthology on black women in science fiction, Afrofuture Females. And I had a story from Nettie Okorafor, and she wasn't famous then either, and, and now she's she's the coolest, hottest, science fiction writer there is so i think i have very good taste and i was prescient and i was able to see the worth of these things before my time
1: excellent yes yes definitely oh
2: so if you you've
1: instigated as well as watched watch the genre grow i mean
2: yes I, again i i have two hats i'm I started writing fiction because people told me that I was hysterically funny, and scholars are not hysterically funny. Scholars are, are very dry people, and they write for each other, and nobody reads it. And I somehow wrote humorous academic scholarship, and I did the first science fiction issue of PMLA, which is publication of the Modern Language Association, which is the most prestigious literary journal in America. And... I put on the cover of that in 2014 an extraterrestrial with a zap gun, which is I cannot tell you how unheard of. I can't. I have no words to describe. Even though I wrote a whole Trump anthology, anthology of parody, I have no words to describe what it was like to put a zap gun on the cover of PMLA. And I went to a conference at a at a, at a school in in Manhattan, and there were two graduate students, and they said. That's her. That's the woman who put the zap gun on the cover of PMLA, and they followed me into the bathroom. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it, (laughs) Wally.
1: You know, yeah, and so, (laughs) oh, my God, that had to be such a, a, a feeling, such an energetic, exciting feeling.
2: It was, was because who who puts this AFCON on the the most prestigious literary scholarly journal in the country? (laughs) Marlene.
0: (laughs) Not everybody
2: liked that I did that. Some science fiction scholars didn't like it. But I kind of said to them, if you don't like it, go edit your own science fiction of PMLA and see how hard (laughs) it is to get that through. And no one has edited one since. Well, yeah,
1: because you have edited or co-edited PMLA and uh as well as many other anthologies so hey if they well, don't like it they can do it you know
2: well i did anthologies way. i did anthologies because writing like i i wrote my own scholarly books to feminist fabulation i guess is my best known scholarly book but writing books is lonely and i kind of knew all, i know all the science fiction scholars in the world and i was the only i was like the first woman in the english professor profession to be a feminist science fiction scholar, and I got married at 46 years old, and I'm coming, out, I'm coming out with an article in the September issue of the magazine of the American Association of University Professors called Academe, and it's called Sex and the Single Feminist Science Fiction Scholar. And what I do is I write about the truth of my life being a single woman from I entered the profession at age 26 when I got my first job to age 46 when I got married. And that was 20 years when I was running around with all these male science fiction scholars. And I was never, ever harassed, ever. Never. And I did not have that experience Ah. I was um I don't know if I was lucky or what I cared about was publishing, and nobody would do that to me. I don't know what it was, but uh, I had a wonderful experience with the male science fiction um scholars, and these people are my best friends to this day and, and I wrote, about Never saw them. This. but I had to but I fraternized with them because from the age of twenty six to forty six I had to have sex with someone. <laughs> <laughs> so I did.
0: <laughs> so,
2: so um, so, um so I, I have to tell you something that's hysterical. and the um um I went to the Modern Language Association conf- conference with my husband and one of my old um science fiction boyfriends who I became friends with um he he came to me and he said that there was no hotel room available for him in the hotel and he couldn't like sleep in the street and he asked if he could come sleep in my room with me and my husband so i couldn't say no to him and i, I and, and i kind of had to get a rollaway bed and i didn't get one for a long time and it um it it kind of it, there was like no rollaway bed so we were in the room me and my husband and my old science fiction boyfriend and my husband said that I had to sleep on the floor because it was my fault that I didn't get the roll bed. So the old boyfriend was in bed with my husband, and I was on the floor sleeping. you That kind of makes me So, So he would rather sleep with him. Yes, because someone had because to sleep on the fault. floor and he wasn't gonna sleep on the floor and the old boyfriend was the guest, it wasn't his fault, he couldn't sleep on the floor. <laughs> so since I didn't get the roll away bed, my husband is very is very fair and he's he said that I had to be the one to sleep on the floor. <laughs> and so I, and I wrote about this in one of my novels and I'm not trained as a fiction writer, but my life is like this and if I just write the truth, um, I don't have to make up anything. <laughs> um, My my first novel was called Oy Pioneer And it was about my Jewish mother Telling me to get married every second And there was an editor who rejected it And she was getting off the phone with me And she said, Marlene, before I get off the phone And I'll never talk to you again I have to ask you one question And I said, what is that question? And she said, the mother in the book Is she real? And I lied and I (laughs) said, no And she said, oh, thank God, I could go on with my life. I just wrote um, everything that my mother did. Um, When computers first came out, I was, um, like, doing my dissertation in the apartment, in her apartment, and she came and she sprayed my head with Lysol because she said she didn't want to get computer viruses. This happened. (laughs) So it takes no effort. It takes no effort for me to be funny. It just it just comes out, and and I don't know what I was doing being a scholar all of my life, but thus it is. <laughs>
1: okay. You know, I'm I'm planning to come to New York soon. I certainly hope I can see you in real life up there.
2: <laughs> oh, I would love to, I would love to meet you. I I would love to meet I'll you. I'll meet you. I wanna go actually
1: I wanna go see uh Renee Taylor in my life on a diet, so I, I love Renee
2: Taylor. Oh, I love the nanny. That was my life. That's what I come from. I'm from from Queen's have,
1: have you seen that play? That's her one woman no. show she's got going on right now?
2: Okay. No, I haven't I I haven't seen it. But that's the culture that I that's my exact culture. It's hysterically funny and Jewish fiction. When something bad happens to Jews in Jewish literature, they make it into humor, and that's what I did with Trump, (laughs) because I'm really, really angry. And again, it takes a lot of anger in a year to write 33 separate stories. That's harder than writing a novel, which is, of course, the same thing. Well, yeah, and you've
1: you've done the other you've been on on here previously as part of um anthology also put out by b cubed um alternative
2: alternative um and, alternative facts well what happened was bob brown the yeah. wonderful the wonderful publisher of b cubed who yeah. started all of this he put me in alternative facts and since and i had this whole i had a whole book and I just took a deep breath and I said Bob will you publish my whole anthology and he said yes I just asked him all all he could say is no that's how I met him through Alternative Truth I was one of the authors in there
1: Wow okay
2: alright that's how I I got um, that's how I was acquainted with him through alternative truths. He just picked me out of the slush pile and put me in there and he said that my writing is excellent. And I said, well, if you think my writing is so excellent, I have a whole book where that comes from. <laughs> and, he said, okay. and
1: I was ready for it.
2: So hence, when Trump <laughs> and and is I... born.
1: So, okay. uh, I just even love just the feminine uh, feminine science fiction justice league just that alone i love but um but everything else i was just looking at your uh feature or your um page on heavy feather review from just last month It's a couple of weeks ago
2: oh i published a new story i I published a new story on there that's not in when trump changed
1: oh okay
2: because i'm I'm still writing them just because the book is published, I'm still mad and I'm still sitting and writing these stories. Maybe I'll have more When Trump Changed. <laughs> or when yeah, Trump Changed writes yeah, again. This, is,
1: fiction. All right, this one is called A Feminist Extraterrestrial Special Forces Commander Causes Trump to Become Gone with the Wind. Ah, huh, If only. If
2: only. It's a power fantasy. Power fantasy. I want him to be gone with the wind so I could write no, I about it and wish.
1: <laughs> yeah. If... Uh, yeah, thoughts or things, and can make it happen. So I will also be uh, sharing the the link to this page for everyone to see, as well as all the other uh, links I can share, and also for Amazon because you should you should if you haven't already get over there to uh, get your copy of this and other books. Uh, you won the Science Fiction Research Association Pilgrim Award for Lifetime Achievement in Science Fiction Criticism.
2: That's the greatest Uh, thing that ever happened to me in my life, because Ursula Le Guin won that award, and Joanna Russ won uh, that award, and and Samuel Delaney won that award, and if I can do something that Ursula Le Guin did, I loved Ursula Le Guin, and I, I wrote an obituary for her in Nature magazine, and... And, again, I loved her since I was a graduate student. And she was the – when I was a young scholar, I published – an anthology of my collected essays, and Ursula Le Guin was the outside reader for that, and she said it should be published, and she gave a hand to this young scholar, me, and she didn't have to be the (gasps) outside reader, and she didn't have to do that. And I think, like, with the Academy Award, not everybody can be Laurence Olivier, and, like, there are better Academy Award winners and and lesser ones. Like, Like, again, not everybody is... Is Laurence Olivier, and not everybody could be Ursula Le Guin, and I am, I am like on, I don't know how to, I am on a lesser, much lesser level than that. But that my name could be on the list with hers, that, that like no matter what happens to me in my life, I know that I did that. And then I was on the committee, oh, yeah. um, I was on the committee of to pick other pilgrims. And I picked three pilgrims, and I was able to call them up and say, "You get the pilgrim award." And in in the world of science, in the world of science fiction, academic criticism, we all live for this. It, it, it's like the it's the it's the biggest thing, it's the biggest thing going. We we all we all live for this, and that I can mm. make other pilgrims. That made that made me so happy.
1: Yes, I mean how. That, that's the kind of thing that dreams are made of. Of course you worked for it, it's your talent and your work, you know, just the rigors that got you there. And yet still, just that's got to feel like, I can see what you said, that's one of the greatest uh, feelings. Well, so it, exciting. Took, it
2: took courage to be a feminist science fiction scholar when everybody thought that it was garbage. Again, I got my first job when I was 26 and I um, went to a conservative state university, which I'll which I won't name, but I call it Black Hole State University um, in, in my novel. And I, in When Trump Changed, I have a Black Hole State University story where um, it's about the lady of the lake, and Steve Bannon went to the school that I'm talking about, and he's, there's something at this campus called the duck pond, and Steve Bannon is sitting there, and this black hand comes out of the lake, and it's an Arthurian, it's an Arthurian female character and that's that's the inception of how he came to be that's that's in when trump changed
1: well i'm going to tell you what this is going to be i think this is you can tell this is a book that for anyone who's already read it if you're that lucky go ahead and tell us what you think give us a call or make a comment if not uh or whatever just make sure that when you get this book, that you uh, give yourself plenty of time. Get all your favorite snacks and beverages ready, because you're not going to want to stop and get up for anything.
2: Um, well, I have um, to say it is uproarious. Like you will, you you will. I think you'll need face cream because you're going to have laugh lines in your face. Because I proofreading is horrible, no matter what. And proofreading this, it, proofreading is a horrible, horrible job. And I proofread it. And, and I've read it like twenty times, and every time I read it, I still laugh
0: <laughs>
1: okay there's a testimony right there uh when, uh I know you uh you said that you would you would read to us, and I like you that before you read I'd like to just to name some of your titles for people who may be new to you uh. You're the author of Alien to Femininity, Speculative Fiction and Feminist Theory, Lost in Space, Probing Feminist Science Fiction and Beyond, Feminist Fabulation, which is Space, Postmodern Fiction, and Genre Fission, A New Discourse Practice for Cultural Studies, um, uh, novels Oi Pioneer and Oi Feminist Planets, a fake memoir, and of course, Trump changed, Feminist Science Fiction, Justice League. Quash is the Orange Outrage Pussy Grabber, which is the first single-authored Trump short story collection. So, are, are, are you ready
2: to read to us? I'm ready to read to you. And I'm going to read a very short story, and it shows how these stories come from my own experience. And it's called Two Trump Hens two trump heads are better than one. And I'm not going to explain it because okay. it has to speak for itself. So here it, here it comes. Professor Sandra Lear could not ignore the persistent pain in her molar. And thus it came to pass that she found herself sitting in an oral surgeon's chair, preparing to have her tooth extracted. Do you want me to put growth material in your gum, which will facilitate implant insertion asked Dr. Doogie Horowitz. Sandra, who was scared as hell that she was about to be decapitated, nodded her head affirmatively. When she returned for her post-operative checkup, she asked for details about what had been inserted in her mouth. Bone, Horowitz said. What kind of bone? Bone from a cadaver. What if the cadaver wasn't Jewish? I might have potentially Goyish bone cells reproducing in my jaw. Sandra went home and fell asleep. Upon awakening, she felt a weird sensation on her shoulder. She looked into a mirror and saw a second head attached to her body. The head was not a normal head. It had a small, pursed mouth, steely eyes Framed by white makeup and a very strange orange comb over. She gasped in horror as she recognized the features. Although she had become inured to the ubiquitous presence of the head on television, having Trump's head attached to her body right next to her own head was the limit. Sandra immediately phoned the dental surgeon. I have an emergency. The cells in my teeth grew into Trump's head, not a new jawbone. (laughs) Oops, said Horowitz. The cells I used came from Trump's deceased parents who were buried locally in New Hyde Park. Instead of simply generating new jawbone cells, these cells grew into a completely formed Trump head. Will I gain weight? Trump is not thin, and he eats, I can barely say it, fried taco shells. And if he has access to my hands, does that mean that he can grab my pussy? The Trump head has no control over your body. How do I get my normal Trump headless body back? I need some time to research this question. It is an unprecedented situation. Sandra decided to deal with the issue head on by seeking an audience with Trump himself in Trump Tower. She put on a burqa to describe the Trump head. Politically correct New Yorkers, loath to stare at a burqa clad woman, would not notice the covered shoulder protrusion. Sandra entered Trump Tower and asked to speak to Trump, fearing that a woman wearing a burqa had to be a terrorist. Secret Service agents swarmed around Sandra and frantically frisked her in search of a gun or a bomb. Instead, they closely encountered Trump's head. It caused confusion. I'm not a (laughs) terrorist, Sandra insisted. I obviously have a huge problem. Huge, they all agreed, while looking at the head. Trump has a swelled head. Maybe he has a suggestion. The agents escorted sandra to trump 's apartment. He became enraged when he saw his head attached to her shoulder. "Get me a guillotine screamed Trump. Two Trump heads are absolutely not better than one, sir. Presidents are not allowed to be head people," said a secret service agent. Trump began to tweet. Yeah. Dr Sandra Leah doesn 't know how to use my head, not Then he continued to yeah. shout. I'll use the nuclear codes to explode the hell out of the imposter Trump head. Sir, implored the agent, it is not advisable to deploy nuclear weapons simply because the second Trump head hurts your ego. Can't we blame the Mexicans? I will initiate a travel ban to prevent any other Trump head from entering the country. In response, Trump's (coughs) alternative head harmlessly exploded. Dr. Horowitz closed the hole in Sandra's shoulder. She recovered completely. The end. <laughs> so, this actually happened. I absol- I had a tooth extraction. I was sitting there and the doctor put bone into into my gum in case I wanted to have an implant and I said where does the bone come from and he didn't want to tell me that it came from from deceased people so he said it comes from cadavers and he didn't know that I was an English professor and I know what a cadaver is and then (sighs) I started using my imagination and I know since I'm local to Trump, I know things like Trump's parents are buried in New Hyde Park, Long Island, which is where my best friend lives, and I said to myself, oh my God, what if the tr- the bone from the cadavers came from Trump's parents? And I got really scared and I made up the story that it really did, and that I had a Trump head on my shoulder, and that's, it just came from my imagination. <laughs>
1: And, and, and this is you. This is not like, and not that this is any of my business, or that there was anything wrong with it. This is not from like a lot of a hallucinogenics or, or alcohol or anything.
2: In my whole entire life, <laughs> I have had maybe one glass of white wine in my life because I love food, and I am not a thin person. And if I ever drank, I would look like. I don't know what. So I I never drank. I never drank. um, I never took anything. No, to answer your question, this is me.
1: There is no (laughs) illusion. And I'll say this to you because, I mean, I haven't smoked weed since 1974. I was just a baby. And, uh, or, and, as far as alcohol, let's see. My, uh, my my uh Belgian friend Connie, who I don't know if she's listening, but she invited me on a week girls' weekend to daytelling a day, beach, and when she, I didn't when I didn't in, uh, engage in the hourly, you know, cocktail of the hour, and all she goes. What's the matter with you? I thought you were much a drinker than that. So after that, she went on to everybody about what a horrible friend I was, kind of tongue in cheek, because uh, I didn't drink. So,
0: <laughs>
2: so she didn't drink. <laughs> well, right. So this just going. this just comes to my mind. Because the cadaver would be local, Trump's parents are local, and I just had this scenario, what if I had Trump's parents' cells in my head and there was a Trump head, and and then what are the implications of that, and how do I get rid of the head? I go to Trump Tower and I ask Trump, and what would he say? <laughs> and I just come up with these things, and and it's not, I don't know where this comes from, but it's not hard for me. I just write it and proofread it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! And this is
0: so
1: much fun. Um, and Marley, I don't know how this
2: comes out of the brain of someone who's a, who's an academic. I don't know where this comes from. But again,
1: I, I I I would just call you gifted. That's
2: all. <laughs> well, thank you.
1: Gifted. Me. I and think it I is is
2: that me. I read feminist science fiction for my whole life. Ah. And it. And I guess I I spent my whole life in in science fiction and I guess it just comes out and I guess I naturally speak New York Jewish humor and I put it all together and (laughs) and out comes a story like that.
1: So when did you... Do you remember when you first became interested in science fiction?
2: When I was a little kid I watched Mighty Mouse on television on Saturday mornings and I loved I loved it. I loved the idea of the superhero and I I didn't have any talent like I couldn't sing and I couldn't act and I couldn't play the piano and all I could do was read and um When we went to visit my grandmother, my mother took a long time, and my father waited in the car with me. And every Saturday morning he brought me a Superman comic book to give me something to do. And I love Superman comic books, and and that's where it started, and I started reading science fiction. And I think girls didn't do that then, but but I did. I I just loved, um, loved planets, and I loved the idea of flying around having superpowers and i know in my stories what i'm doing narratively is i'm taking control of trump because this is one person and nobody has any control over him and i'm having a power fantasy where i can write the narrative and i could control him and i could put him where i want on whatever planet or whatever phantom zone or on the top of any beanstalk
0: mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, somebody else was, was uh, listening, uh, uh, talking about science fiction, and um, remember, if you want to talk to Marlene, or maybe some people are just having so much fun listening to you, they say, I'm, I'm just enjoying it, she's a riot, I'm not calling, I am just love listening, but if you do want to call the number 646-716-9922, I do have a, uh, somebody on the You
0: know, we're in a cyber world, this is now a cyber world.
2: Okay.
1: Okay. Well, all right. Well, that was a short fall, but
2: <laughs> it wasn't insulting. If it's a cyber world, is, I don't. At least it wasn't insulting. Or okay.
0: <laughs>
2: Did
1: you? Uh, uh, you know, I can't help but and I can't see how how um, I call it the Cheeto Benito the PGIC. I can't see how followers and still hold their head up and follow him when not just the, the um, economic percussions like hurting his followers the most with his policies and so forth, but just and rash decisions. Um, but also, when you think about... you know those clips that you've seen of uh, Buzz Aldrin? You know, on the I news with Buzz, him? And he's I, met, off-
2: Buzz once. Um, I uh-huh. met Buzz Aldrin once. I met Buzz Aldrin... And in one of my anthologies, there's a picture of me and Buzz Aldrin, and he's holding a model of a rocket ship. <laughs>
1: That's so cool. Well, I Arlene, mean, your, co- your coolness has no end. You,
0: you, you're you aware of
1: that. When, when they were on the news thing and he's talking about the space or whatever, and Buzz Aldrin's looking over, where the heck he's coming up with this, you know, with his eyes, and then even... Uh, was it recently, I saw something where he was talking, uh, there's a group of people and um, talking about the stealth stealth fighters from Lockheed because they're invisible, they're really invisible people can't see them oh. and I was thinking or, or you know, going to Japan and saying hey, did you ever think about making cars in the U.S. you know I figured, can people listen to this and not be embarrassed that they voted for him?
2: I don't know. I I don't know. I have this idea, and if I'm right in, in 2020, remember it, but I think that Obama is brilliant, and I think that he's not going to stand mm-hmm. for having all of his efforts eradicated and I think that the Republican Party is going to nominate Biden and Biden is going to make Obama vice president. Mm. I think this. That Cause I think, sounds good. Because cause Obama is not saying anything and I think he's just biding his time and I think there's going to be a comeback. Now, again, I don't have a crystal wall even though I am a science fiction scholar. It doesn't work in real life. But Maybe I'm just wishfully thinking, but this is possible. I mean, this is not a story in when Trump changed.
1: I don't know. You've been pretty ahead of the game on a lot of things, you know. You, so you, you definitely it, have. Yeah, I mean, you've been prescient.
2: It just on makes more than one situation. I read. I read that the leading, um, that the the number one person that the Democrats want is Biden. And it just makes sense. Biden would have um, Obama as vice president, and that, and they would run on that. That's a winning ticket. So uh-huh. Biden and Obama, if you're out there, if you think this is a good idea, you've heard it here. <laughs> I think it's great. Like, that's my wish, and that's and? reality. That's not science fiction, and that's something that can happen. Because I know when I see pictures of Obama, I just want to jump in the television set and go back. Like, I had enough of this. I want to wake up. I want to go back to have a normal president in a normal country, not to be an embarrassment.
1: Yes. Yes. Wow. Well, you know, I... I said I'm so happy to have you here and so glad, so excited about your new book, Uh, When Trump Changed the Feminist Science Fiction Justice League, Quash the Orange Outrage Pussy Grabber. I wish you the most success with this book. And for anyone listening, if you don't know how to find it, it, it's on Amazon. It's from B-Cubed. I will be sharing the links to get your copy, to purchase your copy all over my social media, I've got it on. Um, I've got it on. Uh, what do you call this one? Instagram already, and I'm sharing it everywhere else on Twitter, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere I've got. I will be sharing this. I am so grateful to you for being with me once again, and I hope you'll hope to meet you soon, as I say IRL. And um, thank you for being here. Do you have a parting word or words of hope for? listeners
2: well i just want to say a word to you thank you very much for having me and i and i thought that talking to you was an extreme pleasure and i very much appreciate the opportunity and thank you for your attention to me and my work
1: i am honored to have you here i am absolutely honored and i am going to play a song to go out with um by some people i don't know if you've heard me play this before about the boy from mar-a-lago no. And so I'm going to say goodbye from me and Marlene Barr And I'm going to leave this song on So if you want to stay and listen
0: to it Anyone till the end Here is mm-hmm. The Boy mar lago Tall and orange and rich and tubby The boy from Mar-a-Lago goes walking And when he passes, each one he passes